Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to another episode of Album for the Day with John E. and Jay. As we fire up the second year of Album for the Day, we do a little pivot. Mm. We've been doing a different album every day uh, for a year. Mm-hmm. And um, so there's 360-something <laughs> of those for you if you want to go check those out. Yeah. Um, we're going to be focusing still on albums, but in the context of the people who are on the albums and the contributors who made the albums what they were. And I think that's really what breaks down the whole music scene of what we're doing here is just it really gets the backstory of who the people are creating the music that we've grown to love over the years we've found a bunch of new people that we get to talk about which is exciting for me people i didn't even know who were on some of the most fantastic albums ever played and you know the music and you've heard it and now it's time to get to know the artists yeah and today, Album for the Day celebrates a big day for us. It's episode 400. Ooh-ooh. And now that we're doing the people behind the albums, we thought a appropriate choice for such a momentous mm. occasion would be a momentous beard of a man, <laughs> Rick Rubin. Yeah. Yeah. Also known as DJ Double R. Ooh, Double R, Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> <laughs> And apparently, he's known as the Loudness King, but we'll get into that in a minute. Yeah. Uh, This dude has worked with everybody, every genre. uh, I mean, going back into the 80s, when he was just a little kid, nobody knew about. And, like, the story of how he got his start is absolutely fantastic. So, basically, um, he got this punk band together and... Um, They were called The Pricks. Which is a hysterical name for a punk band, by the way. I love it. And so uh, he gets them to play CBGBs. And basically he gets the band to start a fight with the crowd. On purpose. So that it would create like a buzz. With planted people in the crowd. So then he has his dad show up in his cop uniform to break everything up. He's not even a cop. He's an auxiliary cop. He's an auxiliary cop, but he shows up in uniform to break it up. Everybody out of here. (laughs) And it's like, and that's exactly what it did. It created a buzz. Well, and that's, I think that's a great example of what Rick Rubin ended up going down the lengthy path of is, you know, if you're willing to put the time the heart and soul, the like thoughtfulness. Yeah, that's thoughtful. He it's, thought that it's very through. strategic and thoughtful. Yes, and yes. I think that he brings that into his production of music. Oh, yeah. and I think it benefits every single person that he works with. Yeah, well, and so he started off with this punk in the punk genre, the pricks, the pricks, and you know he he starts down that down that road where he's working with hardcore bands, Meat Puppets, Husker Du, Circle Jerks. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So he formed 
hoes. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and I feel like there's a theme there. But not like H-O-E-S. <laughs> Despite it being California, it's H-O-S-E. It's important to point out, H-O-S-E and the pricks were his first two things, so I feel a phallic theme there. So, But anyway, so after working with some punk bands and actually moving up the chain in the punk scene, like... He kind of switches to hip hop uh, in like 1983 um, and starts kind of doing really well. Um, it's that thing where he's working with uh, DJ, DJ Jazzy J. Um, and the first record release was LL Cool J's I Need a Beat, um, which, you know, if, if, you're, if you start your hip hop career off and the first thing you do is LL Cool J who is one of the most influential rappers of all time. Like, he was there in the beginning when hip-hop was just, like, on the streets, and it was, a you know, a boombox. And, like, and this I is mean, a great example this, yeah. of, for him of, okay, so having the right talent definitely is necessary if you want to elevate a project. Oh, yeah. And so that was a great example for him. And, of course, then they went into the... He got to sign Public Enemy... Which, hello. ...to <laughs> Def Jam. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I just think that being able to take your tiny little record label, like, you know... You call it what you want. You recorded stuff on a four track in high school. Yeah. We say you have a record label, but oh, wait a minute. Now I magically have met Russell Simmons. And another that's where everything changes. Brilliant, in, enterprising, entrepreneurial, you know, hungry. Who changed dude. how music is not only recorded, he changed the music industry. I mean, like. Exactly. Yeah, he and changed how hip hop was like, listening to. They knew they had different kind of avenues they were coming at the same target yeah and they were so smart to just meld it all together Mm -hmm. that was that was the that was the choice that changed a generation oh dude absolutely and And everyone to follow well and then after public enemy uh 1985 uh rock hard party gets rough the beasties groove ep by the beastie boys came out um and uh, uh, come on, when you the Beastie Boys were that they were thing. playing punk rock and it, it, it wasn't going anywhere. But when they mixed the punk rock and the rap, that is what changed everything. Absolutely. Um, and the Beastie Boys were kind of the first to really do it. But the big moment really came with Walk This Way when Run DMC. And Aerosmith mixed "Walk This Way," and that, in, which was Rick Rubin's, and that was yeah. the real catalyst. I want to jump back to the Beastie Boys, though. So, so the whole thing about that little thing about the Beastie Boys, and we used to do punk, but now we're going to do rap. Um, the way that Rick Rubin went about selling that was and I was blown away to discover this and it filled in all the blanks for me mm-hmm. was because of his like of professional wrestling. Oh man. And the, and he's he literally claims Roddy Piper and Ric Flair as influences. Yeah. 
and he's not shy about it. He'll tell you all about. In fact, he financed um, a wrestling league mm-hmm. for like four years. Mm-hmm. Like he's a big fan, and I don't know that. Rick Rubin's a smart enough dude. Like I, I think that he never really thought it was real or anything, but I think that he saw real opportunity. Absolutely. Like you can take good and bad from every single thing, even if you hate it. There's something you can take from it. Well, but it's also think about the attitude that wrestlers have and the attitude that they have to sell. They have exactly. to project mm-hmm. not only who they like. Who their character is? No, it's got to come from inside. They have to sell it. Like Rick Flair, come from inside. Rick Flair is one of the greatest performers of all time. I just saw him in his last match. It was awesome. But anyways, uh, Rick Flair is a perfect example of the guy who is living the life, who is out there going woo and and selling product. I'm out there on my boat, and I got everything that you want in your life right now. I've got it. Woo! Exactly. And that's what Rick Rubin, he tapped into. He was able to tap into that and sell it. And tweak it. Yeah. And that's the great thing about it is we don't want to recycle Ric Flair. We've got the nature boy. We don't need more of that. Take that. Use it with all the other great stuff that you're gleaning Mm -hmm. from everyone. Mm Mm-hmm. And Whether that be punk music, rap music, rock music, use matter. it as an influence. Use that as inspiration. Yeah. Yeah. No. Anyway, back to the ranch. Um, yeah, Walk This Way was fantastic. In fact, that whole record was just fantastic. Like, Raisin' Hell is a great song. Oh, yeah. Like, he did the whole album. And I think that he just realized that maybe, you know... I don't know if this is my vocational calling. Like, I'm going to make millions of dollars doing it. Mm-hmm. I feel like he came at this as more of a, this needs to be done. Mm-hmm. And if I don't do it, no, who but, will? Well, and I feel that that's what he felt about Johnny Cash as well. So in 94, after the rap, after this, after, you know, after Def Jam kind of goes away, Rick Rubin steps in for Johnny Cash and is like, dude, I need to do one of your records. It hasn't been done right yet. So he does the American recordings with uh, with Johnny Cash. And I, I, you talk about a career revival. Like, Johnny Cash was one of the biggest country stars in the world in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. And then he just, like... Disappeared, he descended basically. into substance abuse yeah. and a number of other things that made it more difficult mm-hmm. to commercially market him. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he also dipped into gospel, I believe, for mm-hmm. some of that period. And, you know, all of these genre changes and things like that, that, would, that made it difficult. But, yeah, the first one was such a success. Hey, let's come back. And, by the way, on this next one... Why don't we get Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers to back you up? Yeah. And the covers that they picked, that Rick Rubin picked for Johnny Cash to do. I mean, I think my favorite, though, was on that Unchained one with Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Solitary Man? No, man. Doing I Won't Back Down together as a vocal duet. Like, Um, it's. Yeah, that is. To hear them. Hey now, baby. I mean, (laughs) well, he did. He did uh, uh, "Bridge Over Troubled Water" with Fiona Apple, Mm 
And that got a nomination. And then he also did Nine Inch Nails song, Hurt. I think that's what everybody... Which, incidentally, Rick Rubin was a part of the original production of. Oh, yeah. Which... And apparently just introduced Johnny Cash. And I think Johnny saw the, you know, hey... And that's what I appreciate. That's the sign of a really good artist to me, mm-hmm. is somebody that, no matter how big you get, mm-hmm. like you're still listening to stuff. You're yeah. still listening to new stuff. You yeah. still want to experience that experience that people listening to your stuff for the first time experience. Yeah. I bring up the, the John Lennon listening to the B-52s right before he died. Right. You know, like Elton John listens to all kinds of stuff oh, yeah. still today. And yeah. these are people that they don't have to listen to anything yeah. ever. Yeah. Yeah, and like so, and then after the Johnny Cash stuff, he'd been working with uh, the Red Hot Chili Peppers for a while. Um, Hang he, on, real fast. One more thing about that. Yeah. So he he also worked with Joe Strummer. Oh yeah, Rick Rubin did, mm-hmm. and he had done Redemption song, mm-hmm. the Bob Marley song with Joe Strummer. Well, apparently he had also done it with Johnny Cash with the intention of bringing it together. Wow. And Johnny passed away. Joe finished that and passed away. It was pretty close together. And apparently now it's together. So you can listen to the two of them Man, that's doing awesome. a redemption song. That's awesome. Um, but yeah, the, uh, uh, the perfect Rick Rubin um, mixing of punk and rap um, when he did Blood Sugar Sex Magic. Uh, with the Red Hot Chili Peppers, he had worked on um, on some on on with the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and he continues to work with the Red Hot Chili Peppers. I think that's kind of like the Chili Peppers kind of go to producer. Well, they because, they changed for yeah, yeah I they, think two albums, but then the, these most recent two that they've yeah. got one out already and another one coming out later this month, which is wild. Like good for them coming out with two albums in a year, two double albums. That's wild. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. But uh, Blood Sugar Sex Magic, they obviously just hit it out of the park with that. Um, that's one of the one of the greatest albums of the '90s for sure. Um, and so what I want to bring up was the 1993 album by Mick Jagger. Oh yeah, I don't know that I'd ever listened to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Wandering Spirit. So I was like this can't suck as bad as it looks like on paper. So I looked at it. So Mick Jagger does Use Me with Lenny Kravitz mm-hmm. and Flea mm-hmm. is playing the bass and it is fire. <laughs> I'm so sad that it took me 29 years to check it out. Yeah. Um but yeah, Flea plays on another couple of songs on there and uh it's actually not a bad record. Mm-hmm. I have never enjoyed a Mick Jagger solo record, but I don't remember listening to this one. Uh, yeah, that's it. Yeah, when I when I saw that on the list, it was that thing of like, what is that click? 
Yeah. You know, and and it's yeah, it is good. I mean, if the, you're uh, doing... one, another one that I was like, what is that? Was the Lords of Acid? Yeah. You. <laughs> yeah. And was like, whoa, what happened here? Like, so there was actually a song called Sex Bomb, mm-hmm. and Lords of Acid like covered the song, mm-hmm. kind of more toward authentically. Mm-hmm. But they later redid that more like they normally do. If you're not familiar with Lords of Acid, um, you're not paying attention to the third word of their name. Mm-hmm. And uh, Their cover work is, their album art is absolutely fantastic. It's bizarre and delicious. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what I would say about the music as well. Be prepared. Mm-hmm. I would say... Be prepared to be offended. Yes. And don't work out to it. You might have a cardiac event. Exactly. But uh, 1994 brought us Rick Rubin coming together with one of the greatest artists of all time to make one of the greatest records of all time with Tom Petty's Wildflowers. I think um, we've gone on and on about this record. We, being... can, we could talk about Wildflowers again for an additional 25 minutes. Yep. But uh, it's one of those things where it's... It's seriously one of the greatest albums. It's a top five record of all time, in my opinion. Absolutely. Um, and there's not a song on it that I'm like, Ugh, if it didn't have that on it, you know? When you view it as a, and this came out, you know, during the CD era. Mm-hmm. So, you know, having one cohesive, continuous project was part of the thing. And I think that because of that, if you take all of that into account, just really threading everything together. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, Rick has talked a lot about that experience. He's talked about, you know, spending time with Tom and really getting to know Tom. And, you know, that's why he brought him into the Johnny Cash project later. Mm-hmm. Um you know, when you can share a vision with the artist you're producing, you're going to have a better product. You're not even just going to have a better product, man. You're going to have like a legendary product because it's rare that you can get both of you people on the the exact same page in the same chapter of the same book. It's Mm -hmm. very difficult to do. That's why a lot of people self-produce now because they can't find somebody to share that vision. And Rick Rubin is notorious for sharing that vision. Mm. And so after uh, 94 with Wildflowers, um, a lot, a lot of records got made, but I think, I think, I think we need to get into the loudness war. I think that's where, because in 1999, well, we'll we'll call it 99. It's probably way before then, but um, really like Californication by the Red Hot Chili Peppers. That was one that was notorious for this. As well as, by the way. Yeah. Um, Basically, it's the phenomenon um, in music known as the Loudness War, where it's the dynamic range of the recorded music is compressed and they basically increase the general loudness of the music in order to um, fill out the sonic spectrum more completely. Yes. And, and basically, the, anytime you listen to a record from like the 1970s, followed by an album Rick Rubin produced in the 90s to 2000s, 
you have to turn your speakers down mm-hmm. because it's like, whoa, what's that about? Well, and the thing about it is, you know, if you've ever seen like the wave form of sounds before and you see this delightful up and down, yeah. like kind of a line graph kind of a thing, um, and there's gaps and there's mm-hmm. there's peaks and valleys and there's a lot of distinction there. So what they're doing is Brilliant. they're All lowering about. the top and lowering the bottom thresholds and then they're pumping the volume louder from the back so that when it hits those new lower thresholds there's less extra space in there so it just pumps pump up the jam (laughs) well what it does and you know when i said you lower those thresholds the whole thing is um they call it when you overload a circuit they call it clipping because what it actually does is it causes distortion in what you have because it's not designed to handle that much. And so when you're in production with the original authentic product and you're clipping off parts of the original product, um, that makes the product a little less authentic, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I mean... I- I see the pros and I see the cons. I do, you know, but it's like, it, it, you're not even bringing up like why all this garbage even started. And it actually started in the 50s when they were doing radio and jukebox and things like that and literally wanted the loudest thing mm. because if your thing was louder, you know, yeah, the jukebox blends into the background until Be My Freaking Baby comes mm-hmm. on. Then all of a sudden, oh, wow, that's super loud. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it catches your attention. And it's the same thing that they've tried to regulate with commercials and stuff now. And how they're putting commercials at a higher gain Mm -hmm. than the programming for the exact same reason. Because it catches your attention. Because it's louder than what you've been used to for the last little bit. Mm. Yeah. And he's going to continue to use that. Uh, throughout the rest of his career as well. And, I mean, he has won nine Grammys, I think. He has. Uh, so, clearly, you know, and... And, unsh- and some un- of the Grammys he's won are for these particular items in discussion. Yeah. So... Yeah, and, and that's the thing. He won uh, the 98 Best Country Album for Unchained, Record of the Year, uh, Not Ready to Make Nice. Um, With the Dixie the Chicks. Dixie Chicks. Uh, he won uh, Best Country Album in 2007, Take the, Taking the Long Way by Dixie Chicks, uh, uh, Album of the Year uh, by Justin Timberlake, Future Sex Love Sounds, uh, Stadium Arcadium, Best Rock Album, Stadium Arcadium, Producer of the Year um, for that same one, Album of the Year for 21. He was also nominated uh, for X by Ed Sheeran um, uh, and he won Best Rock Album for the New Abnormal um, by The Strokes. So it's kind of that thing of just like and these are from from 1996 through uh, 2021 I mean it's just like it, the, dude's, the dude's been on point. Um, and he, just, to, just to read through a, a fraction of the discography. We'll start in the 80s. 
With the pricks. With the pricks. And hoes. Yeah. Uh, let's see. LL Cool J. Uh, Run DMC, Raising Hell. Beastie Boys. The Beastie Boys, Rock Hard. Slayer, Rain in Blood, which, yes, yes. Uh, Public Enemy, Run DMC. The Cults, Electric Album. Yeah. Uh, Andrew Dice Clay. Dice. Now, don't forget Danzig, man. Oh, yeah, I know. And that's that's a classic one. But you move into the 90s. Uh, the Black Crows, Shake Your Money Maker. Um, so Hot- funny story about that one though, because oh yeah, they, they, he didn't he didn't want to be listed on the album. He didn't want to be listed on it. He wasn't exactly sure. He'd heard stories, whatever. He also wanted them to change their name to the Cobb County Crows, starting with all K's, so that it would again reflect the re- their Southern heritage, the wrestling mentality of mm. let's get some press out there. Are they are they saying the KKK? No, and that obviously, thank you, Chris and Rich Robinson, for not selling out to Rick Rubin and keeping your name the Black Crows because, yeah, you guys are awesome. Thank you for all of the records, including their new record that came out about three months ago. It's fantastic. What I think is funniest about that is that that's what he wanted their name to be, and they were originally Mr. Crow's Garden. Mm-hmm. So their response to that was will be the black crows. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. But uh, Shake Your Money Maker, uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Blood Sugar Sex Magic. The Ghetto Boys. Uh, Sir Mix-a-Lot, mm-hmm. Mac Daddy. Uh, let's see, Mick Jagger, we talked about uh, Wandering Spirit. Uh, Joan Jett and the Black Hearts flashback. So he did the Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers greatest hits that has uh, Mary Jane's Last Dance and a cover of Something in the Air on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Johnny Cash's American Recordings, Wildflowers, Tom Petty. I mean, that's right there. If that was his career, you're like Hall of Fame. You're at the top of your game. And we're still not even into the mid-90s. It's Nine just Inch like, Nails, ACDC. Yeah, uh, and then Donovan. Yeah, Donovan, of course. <laughs> Lucinda Williams, System of a System Down. System of a Down. Cheryl Crow. Uh, you know Johnny Cash and Willie Nelson, VH1 storytellers. Mm-hmm. I've seen that, and it was fantastic. And then when you roll into the 2000s, Rage Against the Machines, Renegades. Uh, you know, more back to System of a Down. Macy Gray. The, the audio Slave. Uh, the Joe, Mars Volta. Joe Strummer and the Mescaleros. The Jayhawks. Limp Biscuit. What kind of biscuit was that? It was limp. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, and I, Weezer. Like, yeah, it's not a great Weezer record. I'm, I, I love Weezer. That's just not one of my personal favorites. I listened to it again, yeah. and I got a little more out of it. Yeah, all right. Well, it's, I squeezed. Yeah, it, yeah it's... Lincoln Park. That album was huge. Uh, Kanye West. Yeah. Uh, Jay-Z. Jacob Dylan, Metallica's Death Magnetic. The Avett Brothers. Brandy Carlisle. Uh, I mean, it's just... Gogol Bordello. Yeah. It, it, oh, my gosh. Gogol Bordello. That's Love those guys. Followed by band. Josh Groban in the same year. Yeah. And uh, Kid Rock. Kanye West. Adele. Smashing Pumpkins. That's Wu-Tang right. Clan. Black Sabbath 13. Uh... Yeah, yeah. So he actually just won another uh, Grammy for The Strokes, the new Abnormal album. Which, yeah, that 
album is fantastic. Really, really good. Imagine Dragons is freaking huge. He did Mercury Act 1 and Act 2. Uh, yeah, so, yeah. The dude is clearly... I mean, we just spent four minutes just spouting off album after album after album after album of that he worked on. And the thing about it is, Rick Rubin is, you know, he's a very... Uh, thoughtful guy and i think we discussed that earlier mm-hmm. you know he puts he has a strategy for everything yeah and the fact that you know he was very thoughtful with this combination of rap and metal and just really a, a trailblazing thing found this album uh it's another one kind of like the judgment night soundtrack uh that brought together a lot of rap and metal mm-hmm and it's uh it's more of that and you know tom morello's on there and it's it's pretty neat uh believe it said something about being loud so well there it is well uh episode 400 man book it rick rubin um we we couldn't think of a better a better dude to do um because he's been so influential on the music that really um that we've been alive for. Um, he, he's been the number one guy in as far as like producers during our lifespans um, that is always talked about um, musically and professionally and like what he does and how he has changed things from rap to metal to like he's had his foot in all the different pools and he's made all of it a little bit better. But um, album for the day today, um, our artist is Rick Rubin, or producer rather than artist. Producer is Rick Rubin. He is an artist. Well, yeah, absolutely. But uh, be sure to follow us uh, and subscribe wherever you listen to us. Um, uh, Follow us on Twitter at album the number four of the day. And if you have any requests or people you'd like to hear about, uh, email us at album the number four of the day at gmail.com. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you when we see you. Where I go, I just don't know. I got to, got to, got to take it slow. When I find my peace of mind, I'm going to give you some of my good time. Yeah, squeeze that soul. (laughs) After starting the podcast, you can search for the album, use the three dots, and hit add to cue. Now the album will start as soon as the episode ends. Woohoo!